let's go to uh, the book of Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7, and we're going to look at the verses 9 through 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. After this I looked, and a vast host appeared which no one could count, gathered out of every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages. These stood before the throne and before the Lamb, they were attired in white robes with palm branches in their hands. With a loud voice they cried, saying, Our salvation is due to our God, who is seated on the throne. And to the Lamb, to them, we owe our deliverance. Now I'm reading out of the Amplified Version, so it gives a little bit more depth into what the sentences mean. And all the angels were standing round about the throne and round the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin and the four living creatures and they fell prostrate before the throne and worshipped God. Man, that sounds like a party, man. Who wants to be there? Who wants to be there? Who wants to be there that day? I want to be there. It reminds me of an old Pentecostal song. See, I used to be Pentecostal for a long time. Still am, actually, in my experience with the Holy Spirit. But um, there's a song, it goes, uh, Oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victor. Come on, you Pentecostals, get up and shout. When we all, come on, get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, yeah. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. Hey, you guys sound awesome. Post-worship. That's what I'm talking about. Of course, this scripture is taken from the part we all know as the big party in heaven. It's the one we get, it's the one we get to when we finish the race the Apostle Paul talked about. This passage reminds me of an old song, and I said that. Our vision is to see all tribes, every tongue, and every nation standing beside us on that wondrous day of celebration. After the rapture. What? What's the rapture? Anybody familiar with that term? It, it's not the uh, late 70s or early 80s Blondie song. The rapture. It's known as the taking away of the church. Those who are born again of the water and of the spirit. Um, and who are alive in Christ. Actually the word says first the dead in Christ shall rise. And then those who are left behind, the living, will in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. How quick is a twinkling of an eye? I don't know, but that's got to be stupid fast. After the rapture, right? That's what happens. It's after we're sucked out of the earth. And God's grace, God's presence is taken out of the earth as well. I don't want to be here after that. Amen? I have a question. So we have like this two-part thing, right? We have a mission connected to our vision. 
which is to see every nation, every tribe, every tongue, right? Gathered unto God, saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, right? Just like the song says. And prepared for that day, for the big party that we all want to get to, right? We all want to be there. And we all want everybody else to be there. So there's a two-part thing. We want to get there, and we want everybody else to get there. How is that going to happen? So to expound on the idea of everyone this morning, I got a couple of points. Um, it's everybody's job, or everyone's job, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we reach everyone? If everyone gets to work. If everyone just tells somebody what they know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of how he saved you. Of how he delivered you. Of how he changed your life. Isn't that the case here? Hasn't he changed some of our lives? Amen. You guys have heard my testimony before. You know that he's changed my life. Can you say the same about your life? Can you tell somebody else? Of course you can. It's everyone's job. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Turn there quickly. Matthew 28, verse 19, and 20 as well. If you there, say amen. amen. Now, if you're not familiar where this is in the Gospel of Matthew, this is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he's about to take off into the heavens. After he had spent some time, 40 days, 40 nights, teaching them and showing them the stuff they needed to do for after he was gone. And just before he left, here we go. He said, go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. So let it be. Again. Oh, amplified. Julio rocks. Praise God. So... Who was he talking to? Yeah, you might want to get technical and say, oh, he's talking to the people that were there on the beach with him that day who he had taught for 40 days and 40 nights. And, you know, after he appeared, after he rose the third day, and he was talking to them, those disciples that were gathered that day. But was he? No. He was talking to the church. He was talking, who's the church? You are. We are. It's not this building. The building is nice, but you guys are nicer. Amen? If God can use a pack of 12 misfits joined together in a motley crew, God can use you. I said misfits. That's right. I'm talking about the 12 apostles of God that we read about, about in the Bible. It's not disrespectful, because <laughs> it's the truth. Let's talk about uh, that wonderful guy that Minister Lou mentioned last week, right? In the midst of the conversation, um, he said, who, do, who does everybody say that I am, right? And then he asked the question, who do you say that I am? And it was this one guy, Peter, who had the right answer, because the Spirit of God had delivered the message to him, revealed it to him. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
That's a big deal, man. As a matter of fact, I'll take it even further. On the day of Pentecost, of the day that we've mentioned so frequently this afternoon, <laughs> um, on the day of Pentecost, he was chosen to preach the very first salvation message. Very first one, ever, ever, ever. Post uh, 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 third day rising from the dead, post being risen up into the heavens after teaching 40 days and 40 nights, 10 days go by. Um, the disciples, they go to this place in this upper room and they follow Jesus' command. They said, go hang out in Jerusalem till I send the comfort of the promise of the Father. And Peter stood up and preached, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. First time that was ever preached. Right? The first church. Matter of fact, Jesus said, upon this rock, he was talking about Peter, I will build my church. Powerful. You know, this guy had an attitude problem. <laughs> Anybody here ever dealt with an attitude problem? Peter, my man had issues. Right? On the day that the guards came to capture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, my man pulled out a sword and chopped off somebody's ear. A guy that hung out with the Lord for three years who had taught him nothing but peace and tranquility and love. My man said, get your hands off of Jesus. <laughs> Did he not learn nothing? Did he not learn anything in three years? Matter of fact, on the day of Jesus' trial, he was outside cursing at folk. You could say he was even a little bit ghetto. Amen? It's usually the ghetto folk who, when their friends are at trial, they're in the hallway cursing at folk. Right? Peter was kind of ghetto by today's standards. But God used him to preach the very first gospel message. Oh. Misfits. The whole lot of them. Now, some of them had, you know, more stature than others. I think Luke was a, was a doctor. But Peter was a fisherman. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to go fishing. You need a stick and some string. Right? Not the most intelligent guy, but God blessed this man and said, You, I want you. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have a whole lot of money. You don't have to ha come from good stock, from a family that has money. Hallelujah. All you got to do is be chosen. Are there anybody in the house that are chosen this afternoon? I said, are there any, any in the house that are chosen this afternoon? The fact that you're sitting here this afternoon testifies to the fact that you are chosen. Amen? Chosen. Praise God. But you say you couldn't possibly help to expand the kingdom of heaven. Come on. It's not about you. It's about what God can do through you. I have another question. Aside from trying to make sure that everyone else is at the party, how do you make sure you're definitely going to be there too? It's just a question. I promise I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not directing, at it, uh, directing it towards anybody. I simply direct that question towards myself. How am I going to make sure I get to heaven? to that big party way up in the sky, to the marriage supper of the Lamb.
because you know this brother's hungry. How do I get there? How do I make sure I'm there? Are you sure of your salvation? Are you sure of it? Are you sure that you're sure? It's everyone's job who calls themselves a Christian to mature in the knowledge of God's word and be sure of his or her own salvation. It's everyone's, there's that word again, everyone. Everybody say everyone. Who calls themselves a Christian. Anybody here call yourself a Christian? The word just means Christ-like. You're trying to be Christ-like, right? Um, to mature in the knowledge of God's word and be sure of his or her own salvation. Go to 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. Mature in the knowledge of God's word. It's your job as a follower of Christ, as a disciple, to mature in your knowledge of the word of God. If you got it, say amen. amen. Second Timothy 2.15. Study and be eager to do your utmost. What does that word mean, utmost? Your best. To present yourself to God approved, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed. Correctly analyzing, correctly analyzing, and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Again, this is amplified. I know if you got a King James, it looks a lot different. But this is where they dissect, they dissect all of the Hebrew and the Greek and they try to be most accurate with the wording, right? Correctly analyzing and accurately dividing. Skillfully teaching the word of truth. Amen. How can you defend what you haven't studied? Somebody tell me. How can you defend what you haven't studied? If you don't study it, how can, how can you have any thoughts on it? How can you understand its principles? How can you explain to somebody else how it works, what it looks like, what it smells like, what it tastes like, right? You can't describe it. Another question. Why would you expect somebody to believe you if you don't know anything about something? Mm. Oh. That wasn't there. <laughs> but it's a good question. Praise God. Why isn't Allah God? Can you answer that question? Can you give me scripture from the Bible to show me why Allah is not God? Can you show me where it is? Why can't we have eternal life through the Hindu goddess Shiva? Can you answer that? Yes. Can you crack open the word of God and say, look, right there. You're not listening to what I have to say. This is what the word of God has to say. And the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Amen. Say everyone. I got a tough one. Ready? Ready? Coat your throat because this is going to be hard to swallow. Everyone is not going to heaven. I'm sorry. 
There are a lot of preachers out there that are selling this pie-in-the-sky gospel, this candy-coated gospel where everybody gets to go to heaven. Is that the Bible we're reading here at Calvary Christian Fellowship? I'm sorry. I just had my 16-year conversion birthday. I don't find that in here. I've been reading this thing for 16 years now. It's not in the book. Please, somebody find it. It's not in here. If that's what you think this morning, you better start thinking a little bit differently. You better start reading the book. Hallelujah. Turn to 1 Peter 4, 17 through 18. I got a real tough one for you to swallow. And I feel bad because the service started off so good and so happy. And Amen. But the Lord gave this to me. And somebody in this place needs to hear it. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 4, 17 through 18. This is a heavy one. I'm going to be the heavy for about 10 seconds. For the time has arrived for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not respect or believe or obey the good news, the gospel of God? Verse 18. And if the righteous are barely saved, what will become of the godless and wicked? All right, so somebody heard that, because I heard a lot of, hmm. (laughs) That's real. I'm not reading the Gospel of Tony, verse 4, chapter 9, versículo 16. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. I'm telling you that you can be in church and still not be saved. Did somebody hear what I just said? Oh my God, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. There are a lot of churches out here that'll tell you different. Anybody hear of like an interfaith church? I'm not, gonna, I'm not bashing. I just want to tell you an experience. I was in this um, class, was it? It wasn't criminology. It was uh, criminal procedure, right? In criminal procedure. And there was this... Um, older lady, she was mid-50s or so, um, and she was very nice, very loud, very nice, um, and she had an intense personality, um, and, uh, you know, uh, she said everything that was on her mind, basically. You ever meet those type of people? Just anything that pops in your head, <laughs> no filter, no kind of thought process behind what you're saying, just... <laughs> And then just wherever it goes, it goes. you got to deal with it because that's just the way I am. That's, that was this, this lady. And she was so nice, man. She invited me to church. I thought, wow, this is, this is so sweet. This is great. So she goes, yeah, you got to come to my church. Don't matter who you are or where you come from, you can come to my church. What you look like doesn't matter. I was like, wow, it sounds like a, a lot like my church, right? Isn't that what we say? Ain't nothing wrong with that, right? That's a wonderful thing. Because that's what the church of God should be. That's what the church of God has to be. Because that's what the picture in the book of Revelation looks like. Right? But then she said this. Check this out. You go to church? Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I don't know if in your church they let Muslims and homosexuals and, uh, and Jews and all, you know, you know, pagans and all this other stuff. She literally said all of this stuff. I don't know if they, they allow these kind of folk in, but my church does. Okay, conversation was getting a little weird. I was like, okay, so what exactly, what, what happens there? Well, we get together and we worship and, you know, we, we talk, we have the, the, the pastor, he comes up and he talks and, you know, and he, he kind of takes from every religion. Then I thought, oh, this is getting scary. And I said, well, do you kind of preach or talk about, you know, life changing according to what the gospel talks about Jesus? No, Jesus isn't the only way. You see, because, and she gave me this analogy that I've heard a billion times in the last 16 years. Um, you know, God is like this, uh, this spoke in the middle, right? And there's a wheel, and there are a whole bunch of little spokes that lead into the middle of the wheel. And I thought, no! You're not telling the truth. I didn't want to confront this lady in the middle of my criminal procedure class. But man, I was like, no, you can't call it a church. At least not the way they did on the day of Pentecost. Because on the day of Pentecost, people got baptized and saved and delivered and from all of that other junk. And they declared Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That's not a church. The real church is the bride of Christ. Amen? Somebody say the bride of Christ. Who's the bride of Christ? We are the bride of Christ. We, us, all of us. I know it's a little weird for men to think of it that way, but get over it. <laughs> We're his bride. We're his bride. We're his bride. And there are these interfaith churches sprouting up all over the city. All over the city. They're all over the place. Deceiving folks. Hmm. I'm sorry if there's anybody who attends an interfaith church regularly. But it's not in the book. And this is our guide. Right here. This is the holy word of God. Challenge me, but you can't challenge this. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I'm getting close. Somebody say he's getting close. Everybody turn to Psalm 119, 109. Psalm 119, verse 109. Now, right now, the, the topic is making sure we're doing all right with God, right? Making sure that we got it right. The first part was knowing the word of God intimately. Amen? Amen. Here's the second part. Psalm 119, 109. If you're there, say amen. amen. David, the king of Israel, once said, My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. Ladies and gentlemen, your soul is in your hand. Your soul is in your hand. Regardless of what Pastor Victor preaches and teaches, my soul and the destination thereof are in my hand. It's between me and God. 
Say it's between me and God. Now, do you really mean that? Amen. That's why you got to get to know the word of God. Scripture tells us, buy the truth and sell it not. What is the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. Did you know there is a growing spirit of Antichrist in this world that is seeping into the hearts of even our most prominent preachers and world evangelists? This is scary. But you know what? It's in the book. It's there if you just read it. It talks about people gathering up for themselves speakers because they have these itching ears that want to be scratched. Tell me what I want to hear. Not the truth. The truth forces me to change. The truth forces me to look at myself and say, wow, is this what God wants? The truth is uncomfortable. Somebody say the truth is uncomfortable sometimes. Hallelujah. It's not easy to walk in the light. Go to Acts 4.12. I'm going to read a scripture and then I'm going to talk about one of those world-renowned preachers and what he said. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. When I was, uh, I was about 16 or 17 years old, I went to the circus with my aunt and my uncle. Right? And on the way back up to the Bronx, we were on the train, and, I, and that year there was a, a world-renowned gospel evangelist in New York City. And um, there was a poster on the train. And, you know, I didn't know anything about God at all. It was the furthest thing from my mind. All I knew that I was a metalhead kid listening to, you know, heavy metal, deathcore, hardcore albums with all kinds of crazy uh, antichrist thematic things going on. And I was just, you know, I was, I was transforming, my, transforming myself into this rocker-looking dude, you know, and, and I, I would eventually get a mohawk and start piercing everything and tattoos and all this stuff, right? So I'm look, that, that kid, not me, of course, but that kid is standing in the train looking at this poster. And all it is is just the picture of this man's face, right, kind of looking from the side. And then there was a question on the bottom, and it said uh, something like, you know, do you know what your destiny is or something like that? Didn't say anything about Jesus Christ. Didn't say anything about uh, giving your life to God or being baptized. Nothing about that. It's just the question and the picture of this man. And I remember standing there looking at this poster, and I turned to my aunt and my uncle, and because I, I saw there was a date on the bottom for the meeting, so I turned to them and said, "Man, I want to go to this." Right? Didn't know a thing about God. My my whole life was just you know just about to fall to pieces, and God was calling me through this poster. Just the poster. Just a picture of this dude's face. Unbelievable. Talk about anointing. Is that powerful? There wasn't a scripture on it, right? Nobody had prayed for me. Just the, the poster. Something happened where my heart just went. 
God pulled my heart. And my aunt and my uncle, I'll never forget, they looked at me and they looked at each other and they were like, what? <laughs> do you know who that is? Do you know what that is? Why, why do you want to go there? I was like, I don't know. I just feel like I want to go. You know, can you find out about it for me? I'd, I'd like to check it out. Okay. Never did, but it was actually a poster of Billy Graham. And he was in New York that particular year, that spring or that summer. I think it was in the spring, and he was going to be there for the summer. Amazing. Amazing, right? Anointing. But there are preachers out there that are going to lead you in the wrong direction. Your soul is in your hand. If you don't know this book, you will be deceived. Come on, somebody. If you don't know what that book says, the Holy Scripture of God, you will be deceived. Because unless you accept and embrace the truth of the Word of God, I don't know where you're going. Unless I accept what the Word of God has to say, I don't know where I'm going. Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. Hallelujah. You still happy? Yeah. You still got a little pep in your step? Yeah. I'm sorry, but the Lord wanted you to hear that today. Because restore is the vision that R stands for reconcile. We are Bridging the gap between God and man. That's our job. To take what we've learned, what saved us, and to bring it out to others. So that sin can be erased by the blood of the Lamb. And so that God and man can come back together in quality relationship. Amen.